You're listening to the Pastor Moats Podcast. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. In your Bibles this evening. We continue our series looking at the seven sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Remember, there are seven of them. Three were addressed to His heavenly Father and four to men, to others. And uh, we began a couple of months ago, the beginning of the year, and we're uh, looking at each one of these sayings, taking uh, a month on each one. And we've come to the third one in John chapter 19 and verse 26. You know, we're always interested in the final words of man, aren't we? But all final words pale in comparison to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. We summarize the first one as pardon, because in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, we read this, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the Lord Jesus petitioned His Father for the forgiveness of His enemies. I want to tell you, that's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. And each one of these seven sayings uh, reveals it. It says so much to us about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then from pardon, we saw the second saying, paradise, in Luke 23 and verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in Paradise, And of course, this is the promise that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to that repentant thief on the cross. And again, what, what a powerful, powerful statement and message is there. We come to the third one, and we're going to call it provision. Provision, because the Lord Jesus Christ here is providing for His mother, Mary, John chapter 19, verse 26, if you're there. When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciple standing by whom He loved, that would be John, He saith unto His mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith He to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And so here's that third saying from the cross, and it's addressed to His mother, Mary, and it's also addressed to one of his disciples, John, and this particular uh, saying is concerning the care of his mother, Mary, that she would be cared for in John's home. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at this together. Father, thank you. We thank you so much for your love for us, we thank you for the gift of your love to us, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that he came. We're so thankful that he lived a perfect, sinless life and that he willingly, Father, in obedience and submission to you, laid down his life. No man took it from him but He laid it down on the cross of Calvary 
for us. How thankful, how eternally grateful we are. Because, Father, we realize apart from our Savior, apart from His sacrifice on that cross, His broken body, His shed blood, apart from His death for us in our stead, in our place, apart from the perfect payment that He made for our sin, apart from His death, His burial, and His glorious resurrection, we would have no hope. We would be of all men, all people, most miserable. We are so thankful for the Lord Jesus, Father. We are so thankful again for Your plan of salvation your love in sending Him. We are so thankful for so great a salvation that saves us to the uttermost. We are so thankful for so great a Savior. We are so thankful for eternal life. We are so thankful for the Word of God, the Spirit of God. We are so thankful for the opportunity to serve you down here. And it is our prayer, Lord, that would be faithful till the Lord Jesus comes for us or until we come to be with you, Lord. Father, I pray you'd bless your people tonight. I pray you'd encourage each one, edify each one, bless each one. Pray you'd draw us close to thyself. And I pray you'd draw us close to each other as a church family. I pray you give us a sweet time of worship and fellowship tonight. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to consider with me, first of all, the selflessness of this saying. Because you know what? As I studied this, I realized the first three of these seven sayings, the Lord Jesus Christ is is meeting the needs of others. Think about that. Now, he's the Lord Jesus is on the Cross suffering as no one has ever suffered before. And yet his first three sayings are all to meet the needs of others. The first saying was to to provide forgiveness, was asking the Father for forgiveness, for pardon for those crucifying him and for, for his enemies, if you will. The second saying was to meet the need of the thief on the cross, his need for salvation, for forgiveness, and for redemption. And now this third saying is to meet the need of his mother, Mary, to care for her and to provide for her. Now that struck me because most of the time, When we are suffering, we have a hard time thinking about the needs of others. Now, let's just be honest. That doesn't come naturally to us. If we're not careful when when we are suffering, when there's hurt and there's heartache and there's hardship and there's trial in, in our lives, we sort of turn everything this way. We sort of turn everything... Inward. 
And we can get self-focused and sort of self-centered concerning our need. And you see, the danger, the great danger with that, for one thing, is that that only makes our need worse. That only, that only makes our suffering and our difficulty worse. But you see, the Lord Jesus shows us here what to do concerning our own suffering, how to handle our own suffering. You know how to handle it? Minister to others. And I want to challenge you with that. That struck me as I was studying this and just thinking about this whole scene and this whole scenario of the Lord Jesus on the cross and everything He's suffering and all the agony and and all of the grief, and yet He is concerned about the needs of others and He teaches us what to do when we ourselves are suffering. What do we do? We minister to others. That's what we do. And I just want you to think with me about the selflessness of this this entire scene at the cross of Calvary. Then I want you to think with me about the sufferer of the sayings. Now, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ by far, by far, by far was the greatest sufferer here. And yet, I want to turn our attention just for a moment to Mary. And I thought about when the angel Gabriel visited Mary and announced that she was going to be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah, of the Savior, And Gabriel said this, Hail, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. However, that did not exempt her from trial, did it? Many, many tests, many trials. In fact, they climaxed here at the cross of Calvary. And folks, I can't imagine as she looked upon the Lord Jesus Christ, her son, suffering, dying in agony, hanging on that cross, suffering the the reproach and the shame of crucifixion. He who had never done anything wrong and had always only done that which was right. I can't imagine her suffering here. And in the midst of all that, the Lord Jesus announces that her needs will be met. That He is providing for her a caretaker, someone who will care for her and meet her needs. And you know, as he announces this, it really reveals to us another difficulty in Mary's life, that she was obviously widowed. And there are clues in the Scripture, though the Scripture does not 
specifically state that. There are clues in the Scripture uh, that would uh, lead us to believe that, such as John chapter 2 at the marriage of Cana. There's Mary. She's a prominent figure in that uh, scene. And yet there is no mention of Joseph. But in it was in the view of the fact, I believe, that, that Mary was widowed and that the Lord Jesus Christ would no longer be bodily present to care for her that He proclaims from the cross that, you, that she will have a caretaker, that there will be one who will take care of her and provide for her needs. And that would be in... John's home. One commentator said this, being favored of God does not promise a fortune on earth, but the difficulties and trials for the favored of God do not nullify the promise of God's favor, for the promise has more than just this life in view. It especially has eternity in view. I want to challenge you to do something. Next time you're, in, you're discouraged, you're, you're sort of down, there's some hardship in your life, I want you to think about this scene at Calvary. This is a, this is a precious scene, this saying here and what was taking place here. And next time you're discouraged, I want you to think about this. And I want you to think about Mary's plight right here, but then I want you to think about her provision. And I want you to remember that God had not forsaken her. And God had not forgotten about her. And He provided for her personal needs. He cared for her. And I want you to understand something. He cares for you. And He's faithful. And He'll always be faithful, the selflessness of the saying and the sufferer of the saying. And then I want you to think with me about the sovereignty in the saying, because in giving these instructions to Mary, he shows his sovereignty. He shows that he's sovereign, and he also exposes as bogus one of the predominant doctrines in the Roman Catholic Church. And we're going to see that together. First of all, Christ called Mary. Woman. You see it there right in our text. And by the way, this is the second time that he addressed her this way. You go back to John chapter 2 and verse 4, and you'll see the same thing. And this is not disrespectful at all. This puts her relationship with Christ on a different level than mother. And by the way, something that's significant you may want to take note of is that you'll never find a place in the Scriptures where Christ addresses Mary as mother. Now you might say, well, why? Why is that? Well, I did a little studying, and let me read a little commentary about that. So far as the record of the four Gospels go, never once did He call her mother. 
For us who live today, the reason for this is not hard to discern. Looking down the centuries with his omniscient foresight and seeing the awful system of Mariolatry so soon to be erected, he refrained from using a word which would in any wise countenance this idolatry, the idolatry of rendering Mary the homage which is due alone her son, the idolatry of worshiping her and praying to her as the mother of God. Now I want you to understand, Mary was the vessel through whom the Lord Jesus Christ was incarnated. And God chose her for that work. That is where it ends. That's where it ends. And Mary had to come to Jesus Christ as her Savior, not her Son, but the Son of God. And she had to come to Christ as her Savior the same way you had to. And the same way I did 38 years Ago. Not only that, Christ commanded Mary. You see it there in the text. Woman, behold thy son. This was a command. Not disrespectful in, in any way. But Christ was saying to Mary, you are now from this time forward, you are going to go and live with John And John is going to care for you. Your needs will be met. He will care for you as a son cares for his mother. What does all this tell us? Well, it tells us that Christ was the one in charge here. See, this is important because there's a lot of, a lot of false doctrine. We need to study the Scripture, and it's clear that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is telling Mary what to do, not vice versa. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who is providing for her. She is not providing for Him. She is submitting to Him. He is not submitting to her. The Lord Jesus is the sovereign. She is the subject. And we see that very clearly in this account. Listen, this idea that, that we're supposed to pray to Mary and because she somehow has some influence over the Lord Jesus Christ, that's heresy. That's a, that is a false doctrine Period. And there is not a shred of Scripture that alludes to that, that would lend itself to that, that would even remotely suggest that. By the way, it's significant that right before Pentecost, you see Mary, and she's praying with the saints. And the saints are not praying to her. She is praying with the saints, and she is among the saints. She is not above the saints. 
And you see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Then think with me about the support in the saying. The end of verse 26, Behold thy son. Verse 27, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Boy, this gives great support to the home, doesn't it? I mean, you think about it here. Christ's care for Mary amidst all of his suffering put such a priority on the home. Let me read a little more commentary to you. The Lord Jesus was dying as the Savior for sinners. He was engaged in the most momentous and the most stupendous undertaking that this earth ever has or ever will witness. Nevertheless, he does not overlook the responsibilities of natural ties. He fails not to make provision for her who, according to the flesh, was his mother. There is a lesson here which many need to take to heart in these days. No duty, not work, however important it may be, can excuse us from discharging the obligations of caring for those who have fleshly claims upon us. And this action by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary exhorts parents to care for their children, and it exhorts children to care for their parents. You know, Christ didn't neglect His spiritual duties in performing His domestic duties, did He? And by the way, He didn't neglect His domestic duties in performing His spiritual duties. He performed both spiritual and domestic duties perfectly. And then we see the service in the saying. Notice verse 27. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Now this this is interesting, isn't it? I mean, assigning this duty to John, it, it, it sort of clues us into some things about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, think with me about the selected for the service. Who was selected? for this service because the Lord Jesus had four half-brothers and at least two half-sisters, and we learned that from Matthew 13, verses 55 and 56. But He assigned John to take care of her, to care for her. And the question would be, well, well, why? Obviously, it's because John was much more devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he was the one selected for this service. By the way, the Lord's half-brothers did not believe on him until after his resurrection. You find that in John chapter 7, verse 5, and Acts chapter 1, verse 14. So there would be much sweeter fellowship between John and Mary than Mary and her unsaved, unbelieving Children. Here's the first requirement for service. You know what it is? Devotion to Christ. A call to service will always be rooted in 
a devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see the submission to the service. Next part of verse 27, and from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. What does that tell us? John obeyed and he obeyed immediately because it says from that hour. And by the way, that's the only kind of submission that's acceptable. We used to say to delay is to disobey, right? A delay in obedience is disobedience. And here's the last thing I want to mention tonight, the sacrifice for the service. You see, there'll always be sacrifice involved in serving the Lord. Always. You think that it was going to cost John something to to take Mary into his home and to, to care for her and to provide for all of her needs? Absolutely. But he did it without hesitation. And I believe he counted it a privilege, a great privilege and a great joy to be selected by the Lord for that service. And that's the way you and I ought to look at it as well. If we're afraid of sacrifice, we're never going to do much for the Lord. That's the truth. We'll never do much for the Lord. But if we're willing to sacrifice, if we're willing to pay the price, there will always be a place of service in the Lord's vineyard. Always. To me, this is a, this is a precious saying here. I think it's one that a lot of times maybe just kind of gets skipped over. There's not a lot, a whole lot of thought maybe given to it. But boy, this is, this is precious. It says so much about the Lord. And it says so much about His provision. I, I hope you'll get this scene. And I hope it'll bless you. And I hope it'll encourage you. And I hope that it will convince you beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Lord cares about you. And He cares about your personal needs. David said it well, I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. His seed is blessed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace that's greater than all of our sin. Thank you for the forgiveness, Heavenly Father, we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for pardon. Thank you for salvation so rich, so great, so eternal, so free. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for salvation. 
Thank you for your church. Thank you for your precious people. In Jesus' name, amen.